Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King. Alongside me, as always, or almost always, Matt Luloyan. Matt, welcome to a week on the B-Side. Thank you, Steve. We used to be able to, to say always, but like I'm, I'm like as much a contributor as anyone else now. Recently, it's been like Greg for a couple of weeks, and Bob's been in a couple. You're times in. You're the guy. You're the guy. Sure. I'm but Bob's well. in. I'm in. Greg's yeah. in. Yeah. We'll have more people in in the future. We'll have more people in. Today is the first day of our new pastoral resident, Anthony yes. Wright. Yep. Starts to, started this morning. Yep. So we'll have Anthony in. He's gonna. He's on the preaching schedule for uh, December. Yep. So we'll have him in in December. That's right. Um. Yeah. Fun season, man. Fun we had season. Just, some great people on our team, and we're just, um, yeah, excited to bring people into different venues like the B Side Podcast. Yeah, and talk about. We will try to keep it organized the whole time with yeah. all the people coming and going. Last week we were very organized. Last week we were very organized, and also very long. If I, in our defense, I just want to start this. I want to start the episode by defending ourselves. We stayed on task. We did. I thought we. I thought we stayed on task, but we had yes. nine, ten questions, yeah, and so it was so. a fifty-five. It was a double nickel it was. podcast. It was a double nickel. Or, or more, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, for those of you who made it through all 55 of those minutes, I hope you were helped by them, because I, I do feel like we were able to get to some great content. There were great questions sent in. But I think also, questions. Steve, we scared people off from asking questions. Because <laughs> we, like, oh, no. we got one this week. We got one. We got one. And, yeah, that's right. Well, I thought you were going to say, like, if you stayed with us last week, come, come, like, retrieve your gift. We have a mug for you. Oh, yeah, perfect. We're probably just going to, like, I'm going to get a mug, right? We don't have any, like, B-side swag. We, we don't. Haven't, we haven't stepped up to we that. We just have the Liberty Church mugs that we gave away for free already once you, this, you this can season. Have, you can have one of those. You can have one of those. And call it a B-side, right. a B-side souvenir. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, today we have one question. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Great. Um, and we'll stay on track with that, too. But, Matt, give us... Uh, Dive in that 90-second, two-minute summary uh, from 2 Kings 4. You preached on it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and so 2 Kings 4 has a lot of similarities to 1 Kings 17. So if there's one kind of idea to see there, it's it's and here's the big picture idea, is that, is that God is continuing the advance of his kingdom the way he was through Elijah. Now he's doing that through Elisha. Mm-hmm. But also, as opposed to just deja vu or mere repetition, there's actually something even more and deeper that we that we see from the very similar yet distinct miracles that Elisha does in 2 Kings 4. Um, so we, we broke it up into three. Um, there's four actual miracles, but we broke it up into three sections. There's another provision of oil. There's another resurrection. And then there's another provision of food. There's mm-hmm. actually two provisions of food. So that's where you get the four miracles. And just looking at each of those things... Uh, saw more of what God ha- had already established that he he is and, and what and how he works in the world. Um, he'd already been the provider of oil, kept people alive in famine. But in each of those things, we see something more. So God's provision of oil here in 2 Kings 4 is also showing that when there's no other redeemer coming, he's the redeemer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and the oil itself being a ransom that buys the, the, the two sons of this widow out of slavery yeah. is anticipating that God himself will be our ransom. We'll be ransomed not with things like oil or silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Yeah. Another resurrection is, is again showing that God is the one who has power over death. Um, God does not submit to death. Death submits to him. That's We saw that in 1 Kings 17. But also we see in this, this, this example, this miracle in 2 Kings 4, that uh, the Shunammite woman 
doesn't have a son in the first place. God's not just the one who raises the dead. He's the one who gives the son in the first place. Yep. Gives the son and then takes away and then gives the son back the resurrection, which of course points forward to, to the work he's going to do through Jesus. Uh, and then another provision of food, God is the one who keeps people alive in famine, sustains the needs, the daily needs that we have. Um, but And you had started talking about this, Steve, a little bit a couple, uh, a couple of Sundays ago now when Elisha heals the, the undrinkable water of Jericho with the salt. Yeah. Uh, here we see more that, that God is the one who is reversing the curse. He's not just providing food. He's reversing the curse of sin. Yep. Uh, specifically through purification, purifies the stew and multiplication. He takes the, the 20 barley loaves and multiplies it. So a hundred prophets have enough to eat and some leftover. Yep. So ongoing work of God. He's still at work now through Elisha. The kingdom is moving forward. Uh, but in my kind of my rep- repeated phrase yesterday was look closer. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. to see if you look closer um, yeah. in these in these examples. So it's great. Yeah. The one question that came in is is uh, centered around the Shunammite son. Yeah. And and is if I could maybe I'll just recount it here. Kind of came to us verbally. verbally right? yeah, we don't verbally. have a question to Someone read. Someone sidled up to us and asked the question. Sidled up to you specifically and asked the question can in we, passing. Can you use the word sidled more yes. often? Sidled. Okay. The sidler. Perfect. It's a sign. It's a Seinfeld Sidler. character. Is it? It is. Oh, I didn't yeah, remember that. Yeah, there's a Seinfeld one. episode with the Sidler. Okay. Always. Elaine has to up. give her coworker Tic Tac, so she can always hear him coming. <laughs> Come on, anybody I, out there, you know what I'm talking I about. Remember you, the you know, I remember the Tic Tac. At first, it was wrestling shoes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I All remember right. the Tic Tac. Anyway, let's get back on track. Back on track. Back on track. Okay. So, the Shunamite son. Mm-hmm. The question essentially is, what do? We, how do we make sense of God giving something that was? Uh, not, not really requested, kind of unanticipated, yeah. right? So God gives a gift, in this case, a son, takes the gift away, the son dies, then restores the gift by raising the son. How do how do we make sense of, of God's work here and not see God as just kind of this, um, uh, you know, maybe some would refer to him as like a moral monster or sure. we talked about that last week, right? Yeah. You know, the atheist might refer to God as a moral monster or yeah. as just someone who's, kind of playing a game from heaven and trying to teach lessons, but manipulating whom he experiences and the experience of, of kind of, uh, of, uh, of pain and suffering and losing a son. Is that only made good? Is there, the lesson is only learned because the son was restored. How do we make sense of that? Even as a small part of the greater question of what do we do with just generally evil and suffering and disappointment and death when it happens? But yeah. how does this story fit into the, the grand narrative of human experience? Man, yeah. So maybe it's helpful to say from the outset that, that this is unique uh, in a way. This story the is story, unique. yeah, yeah. So thinking through the other examples of situations where there's a woman or a, a couple, a husband and wife, that are unable to have kids, unable to have a son, and God provides miraculously a son for mm-hmm. them to have. Like think of uh, Abraham and Sarah, and they have Isaac. Um, think of Hannah. I can't remember her husband's name, but they have Samuel, the prophet mm-hmm. Samuel. Um, think of Samson, Manoah, and yep. his wife, Samson. Um, whenever there's situations like that described in Scripture, other situations, the the child that is born becomes a prominent figure in uh, in and among the people of God, right. among the people of Israel. Now, in like Isaac's case, it's like this is the line from which Jesus will come. Uh, so it's like part of the it's like part of the like family lineage of Jesus. Yep. In like Samuel's case, in like Samson's case, it's God raising up uh, a deliverer, like a you know a judge and a prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is unique in the sense that there's not another example in the Bible of 
uh, where we meet uh, a woman or a couple that's unable to have children and that child that then is given to them from God miraculously is just like a normal, normal, yeah. normal person. Like Average Joe. An everyday Steve King or Matt Luloyan. Okay. Like just a, you know, if like, there ever was such a thing, Matt. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I'm, that's a backhanded compliment right there. I'll take it. I'll take it. True, yeah. Truer words have never been spoken. But the, um, and so I think I say that to say we should be cautious to extrapolate from this instance a lot of generalities about the nature and character of God. Sure. I think what we're meant to know about this story, it, and it, it's really succinct, right? We don't get a ton about this the, the son. We don't get a ton about this woman before right. or, right. or during or, or after. We get this really little slice of their life, which is about the son that was provided. Yep. Fast forward, you know, skip a few. He's now like a young man. He's older. He's grown. He dies. And how that woman then responds and goes back to uh, Elisha. So I think what we're supposed to know, what the... What the under the superintending, you know, sovereign work of the Holy Spirit, what the author of First and Second Kings was writing down for us to know for our benefit encapsulates the whole story. There was no son. God gave a son. God took away the son. Yep. And I guess there's maybe a question in there, too, of like, did he actively, did God like cause the death of the son very sure. actively? Or was it just like it happened and God was, that's maybe part of the problem of evil question, too. Yeah. Um, and then God gave the son back through resurrection. And so I think you have to take this this episode for what it is in scripture, which is the whole thing. Uh, I think if we try to extrapolate out of that, like would it have been okay for God to give a son to a woman who wasn't asking of it only to take away that son? Mm -hmm. And what does that mm -hmm. say about the character of God? I think, I think that's actually getting beyond the scope of what this text in scripture is there for. Sure. Not that it's not that it doesn't prompt the question in our right. life. Like, sure. And I think we, you know, we even got into that a little bit yesterday. I, I raised a few of those kinds of questions. Like, you know, why would, God give like a child to, to a, uh, an infertile couple that, you know, that we would know in our church. And then right. that, that child is born, but then that child dies like sure. at a young age. Like, well, that we're still gonna have to wrestle with that question. Right. Even if that son or daughter given to that, that couple is, is not resurrected. We're gonna have to really wrestle with that question. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, where does, where does that make your mind go, Steve? I'm just trying to give a little yeah. bit of a foundation. <clears throat> no, I think that's helpful. I think the, I think it, to me, it's a story that is a small part. <clears throat> it's not meant to be descriptive of, of other things we should be looking for. Yeah. Other than everything about pain and suffering is pointing to the need for a restoration. Sure. And so this story kind of just is like all parts in one, right? It, yeah. it feels that way. Yep. Now, this, now the son, I, I was listening yesterday to this sermon. I was like, wow, this son... The scripture doesn't tell us, right? It's just speculation. Yeah. I yeah. bet this guy just lived to a ripe old age and died, you know, peacefully, right? It's just you can imagine that. Uh, who knows? That's like, not point yeah. of the story, but yeah, you know, because it would have been strange to have the son restored and then, like a few years later, a few years later, you know, die from something else. Yeah, die again, sure. right? So like, yeah, this story just encompasses all the parts. Yeah, and it really is just—it's not meant to be descriptive then of everything else we should look for. It just is saying restoration is needed. Yeah. And so as we look forward in the in the giant scope, the huge pie chart that is we need restoration. This is like just one slice. Totally. That like shows how all that points to uh Christ's work on the cross and Christ's second coming. Yep. And how God is going to be restoring. We've seen we've seen other examples of that. You mentioned a couple of them. You know, even the one I mentioned last week, the restoring of Jericho, right? Yep. It's like in some ways God gives the people a conquest, which is then becomes cursed and then is restored. Like 
God is always telling this story throughout history. This is just a story that happens to encompass all the parts. Yep. Um, and yet the son just and the woman and her husband, still people that needed forgiveness greater than the joy they experienced of having a son that they weren't even anticipating. Totally. Right. So it's not like this was all the parts fulfilled for them entirely. It just pointed to the work of Christ. Yep. So I think this story, yeah, the question is a good one. I think the question just quickly becomes, what do we do with, with evil? What do we do with bad news? What do we do with discouragement and disappointment? Yep. And, uh, and that, that question then just goes to the work that God is doing to restore what, what should be right in all of time. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's well said. And yeah, and it doesn't, um, I think there's things that maybe could have happened in, in this woman's life that we're left to kind of wonder, like, um, you know, I mentioned yesterday, like sometimes God gives things and takes away things to create need, to create dependence yeah. and desperation that, that for, especially for those of us that don't have it automatically built into life in, in some pretty substantial ways, mm-hmm. we need that. Like I, you know, I think of my own life, like, um, it was an, it was an injury my freshman year of high school that like was, was like this need and desperation that I'd never known before. Like, Oh, I need actually help physically to do some stuff. I've never had that happen before. Yeah. And also like, Oh, I'm, I actually am like a dependent person because up to that point, you know, living a, like a, a childhood in an intact home and a healthy home by most measures of, of everything. Like I was like, I wasn't in a place of need, you know, sure. I had right. enough to provide for. I wasn't, you know, so all that. There are these things that there's like things that God does to create, a, to, to, to open our eyes to the reality of how much desperation we have, of how mm-hmm. dependent we really are. And yeah. if we don't see it, he shows us that. And yeah. I think that, like, I think that could be what's happening here for her too. She's, I mean, yeah. if, even the fact that she's a wealthy woman um, and that she's using her wealth for good things, like she's, she's using it well, she's providing for a prophet um, and they want to bless her. So it, it, it's not that it erases the difficulty or complexity of the question, but I think that there are things that probably were also happening in this that were kind of left to wonder. Maybe the little hint that that's some of what God was doing. We do actually meet this Shunammite one more time in, in this book, in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings chapter 8, um, there's, a, there's a famine that affects her and her land, and she's actually sent to sojourn among the land of the Philistines, mm-hmm. which is like this ancient enemy of the, the people of God. She has to go there. She comes back. And then actually needs her her land restored. The king actually has to like give her land back because in the time that she's been gone, she's lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like okay, so so maybe we can retro with the the benefit of, of of perspective and looking back on things. Go, well, man, God, she was wealthy. Uh, she had this really intense experience that like no one else has in sure. the Bible sure. of being given a son, uh, son dying, son raised to life, right. Um, and then, um, you know, goes on living her life. And then, so, so maybe that's part of what God's creating this deeper faith in her so that when she's actually evicted from, like she's forced to flee her land and famine later, she knows that God is trustworthy. She knows that even if I'm not provided for, if I don't have my wealth in my land, like I know, like I have for my whole life, yeah. um, God can still show up and meet me in that. I've been really desperate and needy before. Right. And I think that is true. Maybe there's some things for us to extrapolate in our own lives out of that, that we yeah. In our need and desperation, we see God draw near to those who are crushed in spirit and lowly. We see him not necessarily bring resurrection to, to things he's taken away, um, but we see him come near to us. We have that promise, as you're talking about, Steve, of the, the restoration of all things through the work of Jesus mm-hmm. in the end. And um, and we have this now. We have we have experiential wisdom and learning in our rearview mirror of, of seeing 
I know God is the God of desperate people. I know yeah. he shows up in times of need. Yeah. Yeah. And that opportunity, again, I, I, we didn't, we didn't get any of these questions didn't come in, but I imagine there could be the question of, wait, is God, is God wandering around throughout his creation, finding somebody who needs to be taught a lesson, right? And so right. here's this wealthy woman and God's going to teach her a lesson and not necessarily, that's not right. how God right. is working or does work. And yet the opportunity is there for us always to be learning from what God is giving us to in our, in, in our lives. Yep. And a lot of those learnings do come through pain and suffering, right? So it's not, yeah. it's not, but, but we shouldn't think of God as just kind of behind the door waiting to go like, did you learn the lesson yet? And if so, I'll take it away or oh, it's about time, you know, right. There is, there's just, there's tragedy in this world that we're trying to make sense of. And we have this hope that God does will restore it. That's right. It doesn't make the experience always uh, easy, nor should we think of God as, wandering around trying to trying to always test us yep. um, and yet the opportunity is there to always be learning about the nature and character of God and our need for him yeah in all these circumstances let me ask this this question it didn't come in I was like oh well surely this will be a question <laughs> um, it didn't come in um, and I'm I don't know the answer maybe in your in your study and prep for the sermon it came up just this odd the child sneezed seven times yeah anything there anything on why the child sneezed seven times Man. why we learn about this this is so elisha raising this child yeah. from the dead you know yeah uh lays on top of him yep so the the sneezing part no okay. i have no idea yeah interesting. Like, okay um i think the one the one commentary i read that like made any mention of the, the seedlings i mean so seven is a is a biblical number sure. of perfection it's yep. like something that like is this evidence that god was maybe doing the work it wasn't just a resuscitation sure uh you know because some people would say like oh well you know he was just unconscious and right. Elisha's body heat. It's, he was it swooning. Says that the child is yeah, swoon theory. Don't that's get more, me don't get me started. That's more about Jesus on the cross. I know, I know. You have some you have some opinions about the swoon <laughs> theory. <laughs> um but the yeah, so so that seven is like a, an indicator of like, you know, perfection because that's yeah. a, that's a biblical number. But the one commentator just said something like, you know, his uh, you know, his, his lungs opened before his eyes did, or his allergies, okay. his allergies activated before his, uh, you know, like he just, most, like most commentators were wise enough to stay away from it. He tried to find something. The one guy was really fighting hard. <laughs> it was, it was but, allergy season. And <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that, that is interesting, and maybe I, I, I think I could see this given this idea of like, look closer, right? Yeah. So the, the one maybe difference between first Kings 17 and second Kings four here. Elijah in First Kings seventeen also does the thing where he stretches himself yeah. out on yep. the, the, in the the widow of Zarephath's son in First Kings seventeen. Elisha does the same thing, stretches himself out. Right. The detail that's added here is the whole idea of like eyes to eyes, mouth to mouth, hands yep. to hands, like yep. one for one. And there were some commentators more than others that wanted to see. I think in that, um, along the same lines of some of the theme that I was really driving at yesterday, this, that you see more of the work of God through that. And they wanted to kind of really press to say like, well, here you see God's a God who opens the eyes of the blind. God's a God who breathes new life into dead to dead people, like the mouth to mouth. God's the one who gives strength to those who are unable to do anything for themselves and the hands to hands thing. There could be something to that. There's additional detail. To me, it felt like we're, we're maybe, it's almost like maybe the classic example is like in the walls of Jericho when, um, you know, when Ray when Rahab's going to be saved and she lets down like the scarlet cord, yep. hangs the scarlet the scarlet cord from her window to say this is this is where Rahab and her family is going to be, right? Save them, you know, don't let them experience death or destruction. And people see like in the scarlet cord, like, well, that's clearly a picture of the the blood of Christ, sure. And that whole more um, 
what's the word I'm thinking of where everything's a metaphor, uh, allegory, like, allegory, like, an, allegory. like an allegorical, like yep. everything's an allegory. I, to me, the, the mouth to mouth, hands to hands, eyes to eyes felt a little too like we're pushing, sure. we're pushing allegorically here. We're trying to apply that. We're trying to read backward, put the lens on top and force it and. We don't know. We I, just don't know. We don't know. We don't I don't. Know. I'm not a scholar. I don't claim to be like a hermeneutical expert on everything here. But that one felt like I feel like you're pushing too many details of the story. Yeah. Overall themes, you are certainly seeing more about how God enters into this world to act for our salvation and for the reconciliation. You're seeing more of that. Yeah. These aren't just repeat miracles. There are differences that are substantial, but. I'd be wary to push every detail to, to mean something there. It's like par- okay. like parables, right? Like you sure. can't push every detail of every parable That's to right. mean something. That's right. Okay. Well, add to the list. When we get to heaven someday, seven sneezes. What's up with seven What's sneezes? What's going on with that? Okay. <laughs> um, hey, Bible studies this week, if you yep. were to um, maybe prompt in addition, you know, maybe you just repeat what's in the Bible study guide, but just something that comes to mind for Bible studies to think about as they reflect and speak and, and share this week. Yeah, I think... Um, I think there are great questions to wrestle with there about, you know, um, you know, bad, bad things happening to, to people who are doing it well. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the widow of the prophet at the, at the first seven verses there, the Shunammite woman who's not asking for a gift and gets a gift. I think those are great questions and they might be prompting something going on in your own life that you, that would be helpful to, to bring to the group. I would just encourage you to bring it to the group and invite them to navigate that with you and care for you in that and try to help you walk through the, the ways you're wrestling with the questions that this, this text raises. Yeah. I think maybe in addition to that, it would be, um, in those places where you do feel like if, you know, I used groundhog day as kind of like the opening (laughs) illustration where you, where it feels like you're wherever you counter repetition, it can kind of create the sense of deja vu and like, Oh, if I'm in deja vu, we just Mm. like on an endless loop. We just like, is there any purpose to the the repetition? We're just in this loop. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that in various moments of all of our lives, we 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 wonder if the the effort that we're putting forward, um, the faith that we have in God, and even bigger picture, even the kingdom of God itself, like is there actual progress being made? Like, mm-hmm. are are people actually coming to faith in Christ? And and like you know, um, and are my efforts in my job or my efforts in my family or my effort like am, is it doing anything of value? Yeah. And we need those reminders. We need like the first the first Corinthians 15 reminders that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yep. And we need other people to like help us believe that in moments that we're really struggling to believe that in our yep. own lives. And so that whole idea of look, like look close, I just got to say it for a, a quick second near the end of the sermon yesterday, but that whole idea of like not only look closer at this text and see how God's kingdom is advancing through these miracles, but, mm-hmm. but like ask other people, invite other people to look closer at, at your own life and the places that you're feeling weary or, or your efforts are futile and, and like help, help you look closer to see how, how God's kingdom is actually yeah. at work and advancing forward yeah. th- through that. It's good. It's great. Matt, thanks for preaching yesterday. Yeah. We continue in the series in second Kings versus second Kings, but second yeah. Kings continues uh, yep. this upcoming Sunday. Yes, sir. So we look forward to seeing everyone on Sunday there. Have a great week. Enjoy Bible study time together. Uh, sending questions as you always have them for the sermons. We always look forward to discussing them in the B sides. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening today. We'll see you one soon. Yeah. Take care everybody. Bye everyone. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.